All right, good morning, church. Good to see you guys. Do me a favor, take out your Bibles and turn to the book of Colossians. It's where we're going to get started uh, here today. And while you're turning there, I also want to just uh, uh, bring to your attention, we are in September, and uh, I think that you may have gotten my email uh, a couple of weeks ago. Coming off sabbatical, I came to realize uh, our general budget is uh, way, way, way behind. We're about 300000 behind. So we're um, actually, if, if we don't do anything, we just finish the year the way we are, we would wipe out our entire reserve account. So there would be nothing in savings uh, for our church. So that's a little bit of an emergency. Finance team's like, hey, we need to do something about this. So we said, hey, uh, in September, let's just make it a goal. Uh, if, if you could, if there's anything that you could do in September, we're trying to make that goal 500000 to try to bid some of the gap on that. We're trying to save on expenditures. We're redoing our budget for next year to follow these trends and all that sort of thing. Good news is we have people being very generous, but they're giving giving to campaigns like the the forward campaign here on our church in our church, and then also in Dripping Springs. We have more people giving and giving a lot more than than, than since I've been pastor. The problem is the bucket of the general budget. And what do you mean by general budget? I mean when you give and you don't designate it to anything, it goes in a general budget. It's the basically our operating budget. We pay our bills with it and all of that sort of thing. So uh, money's going to to campaigns, and that's that's a great thing. And God's moving. We've got. T- tons headed headed in that direction problem is the bucket for that we operate out of is it's in it's in severe uh um, shortage and so uh september we're just trying to focus on that let's focus on general budget see if we can bridge some of that gap so if you could help us with that we would really really appreciate that okay um this fall um we're going to journey through this book this letter this epistle called colossians and um i don't know if you're familiar with this letter or not and in one sense, everything in the Bible is going to have power and be transformative in your life and bless you and bring you into life and do all sorts of things in your soul. But particularly right now, I believe the Lord guided us right to Colossians for some specific things that he has for us. And so I want to invite you to engage fully over the next couple of months. We're going to walk through this amazing text the book of Colossians together, and um, I believe it's going to do something in us wonderful. It always does, but I believe the Lord has something particular for all of us uh, in this. And so we're today we're basically going to in, introduce the book, get into the first 14 verses of it, unpack that, and uh, see where the Lord takes us, okay? So Colossians chapter 1, we're going to go from verse 1 down to 14. Let's immerse our minds and our hearts. Let's listen. Let's meditate. Let's allow the text to develop internal imagery and let the Lord work in our hearts as we do. Because I believe that's how he blesses and that's how we actually meet with him. So let's practice that right now. Colossians chapter 1, verse 1, going to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, And Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, 
as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Father, we just commit this time to you. And Lord, you tell us in your word that we're your people and that what you want us to do is to get together, pray together, love each other, read the scriptures, work out those scriptures in our own lives all and do it all together. That's your church. And you say, as we do, you by your spirit move in our midst, forming us all into the image of Christ together. And that's what we're doing right now. And we trust and know that you are faithful. You are present. You are working. And Lord, we yield ourselves totally to your will. So speak and minister and move. Give us what we need. Bless this time. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so first of all, in our series, what I want to do as we're laying out this journey ahead of you, I want to tell you what the journey is going to be like a little bit, okay? The first thing I want to do is let you know that when we're, if you've ever put a lesson together or you've ever preached a sermon maybe, um, what you quickly find out is, you know, I guess you kind of start off with sermons and you go, I told them everything I knew from Genesis to Revelation and it was 10 minutes. Uh, it starts off like that, but the more you preach, the more you realize there's so much in this one word that I can't unpack in the hour that I have. Uh, and you have to decide what to trim off and leave clippings on the floor and then what to actually say, right? And that's a very difficult challenge. Well, well with sermons, Going through a book like this, we leave a lot of clippings on the floor. A lot of things that could be said, we just leave on the floor. So what we want you to know is, is as we're journeying through the next few months, we have extra resources. Something may, we may uh, talk about, some word may hit you, some, something in some text, the Spirit of God may do something special in you, and you go, you know what, I want to go further with that. I want to kind of lean into that a little bit more. Well, that's why we give you extra resources, so that you can go deeper in whatever that might be. And so, Pastor Craig put this little thing together, and it's amazing to me. He can put so much stuff together so fast. He is so amazing, but he also has a sense of humor. He did the dinosaur thing, all right? And I just noticed that this morning when I saw it on the slide. I was like, hey, there's a dinosaur up there. Pastor Craig put this together, and the extra resources, there's videos, there's articles, there's books, all there for your availability. So you can scan that code. It'll take you to our website, and you can see those extra resources that are there. Also, another incredible thing. 
Pastor Craig has done is he has produced a workbook that you can have um, and it's printed, it'll be printed by Amazon. You go on Amazon and you buy it. That's the link, the quote, the thing there. It's a book and it'll walk you through like a journal through all of our sermons. It'll also be like a journal you can take through your life groups. Um, it's a personal journal you can use for your quiet times, all of that sort of thing. And so I encourage you, go get that book. It's the charge to print it. We don't make anything off of that book. We need to be very uh, open and transparent about that. We don't make anything. It's just like it's $5.25 or something like that, but that's the cost to, to print it. And so we encourage you to check that out. As with any book study, I like to start the beginning by setting up the context. And I do it by saying three things. One, the writer, the reader, the writing. Good practice. Let's look at these things as we're establishing context and getting into this text. All right, first, the writer. Well, Paul, along with Timothy, it says in the text, Paul is a prisoner either in Ephesus or in Rome. There's a lot of debate about which one, and no one really knows for certain. Um, we call it a big fancy word, epistle, um, and that just really means letter. But you have to acknowledge that letters written in Paul's day were very different in the process they went through to put a letter together. When you send a letter there, you had to write the thing out, roll it up, put it in a scroll. You need a messenger to travel to the place where these people are. You seal it, and then you take it and then travel, and it takes months sometimes to get to these actual locations. A lot of investment goes in actually giving communication to someone in another part of the world. And so you are very careful about what do we need to say, uh, and a lot of effort. And it's a little bit of a team project. You see that Paul actually only writes a portion at the very end. He says, I, Paul, write this with my head. Uh, Timothy's probably writing some of it. It's a team project that they put together. They roll it up, and then they want to send it. But that's, it's an epistle. So it's a little more than what you and I would say as a letter, where we just type up an email and send it, where we don't think a whole lot about what we're saying. It's a special project. It's a little bit more involved than what you and I would do. So the writer, Paul and Timothy, a little bit of a group project, that they want to send a message to the people in Colossae, the church in Colossae. It's a small group of believers. So let's get to them, the readers. And he says it's the church in Colossae. Colossae is a city in the Roman Empire, and there's a small group of believers in there um, that were former pagan, Greco-Roman type culture type people who had come to Christ. And so he wants to write to them in this town, in this area. In fact, let me give you this map real fast. Um, there's a, there we go, right there. Um, and guess who put this together as well? Right? Just give him a fist bump when you see him. That man is amazing. Uh, but you can see on this map here, you can see the town of Colossae in the red. But you also see Ephesus. Um, let me mention in a couple of other towns that were very close to Colossae. You know, Laodicea, Thyatira. Philadelphia, Pergamum, Sardis. Does all these sound familiar to anyone? Church of Revelation. See, and you look off off the coast there, um, right near Ephesus, off, off the coast there was Isle of Patmos, um, off the coast. And he wrote to seven churches that are right on the, the western side of Turkey, right on that coast. There were seven towns and where churches were. Well, Colossae is right in the middle of all that area. And yet, Colossae wasn't written to in the revelation so anything an interesting little fact i'll just throw that out there for your consideration okay but in the letter paul paul is writing to this group of former greco-roman pagan type people um, and you also have to realize the the culture by which 
that they, that they embrace is basically the Roman Empire at that time, the people of that day, they loved to cherry pick. It's called syncretism. They would cherry pick religions. And you know what that would ultimately mean? They would sort of dictate to their religion what their religion would require of them. They like this from this one, they like this from this one, and they would sort of homogenize a nice little religion for themselves. And it usually ended up uh, being basically drunken orgies, all right? Uh, why would that be? I don't know. Just uh, so strange, right? But this is the way that their culture was. And these people, through the gospel ministry, perhaps Epaphras bringing it over from Ephesus, perhaps some other ministers coming through, these people had believed the gospel and they've come away from that to a message that says, no, there's one way, there's one master, and he wants total obedience, top to bottom. And that is offensive to a Roman that likes to cherry pick, right? I like to develop my own requirements, uh, and the gospel has called them away from that. And now they're following Christ with a radical centeredness, a total obedience, and they're living for him. And Paul hears of it, and he wants to write to them and encourage them. So that's the readers. That's who these people are. They're the church, small group of people in that context. But then the writing, the letter is very Pauline, but it has a structure to it. Um, the theme is what we'll see next week, the preeminence of Christ, that Christ reigns supreme over all. He is the king of the earth. He is the king of glory. He is the king of kings. And he's king over Austin, no matter what Austin thinks. That's what Paul said. The preeminence of Christ, that he is king. Now, whether you acknowledge his kingship or not, whether you do or not, he is the king. And this writing is saying that. Why might Paul say to a group of people in a very pagan context that Christ is king over all? All your cherry picking. He is king over all the other options. He is the Lord of glory. Why might he say that? You feel that? So this is something that's happening in Colossians. We're going to see that next week. Let me show you another slide real quick. But what Paul does in his letters, and, there's a, and guess who else? Guess who made that? Like 10 minutes he came back with this. I was like, what? Who are you? Anyway. One thing you'll see Paul do in his letter is he'll address people living in the valley in their daily lives, right? Your, your daily life, where you wake up, you do the news, you watch, get your coffee, you got to decide what you got to do today, you go to work, you get your kids ready, you got your stuff, right? Everybody's got our stuff. And you got your daily life. Let's call that life in the valley, right? That's life in the valley. Paul, with every letter, says he comes into our valley, into our daily life, into the things that we just react to life and that kind of thing. And he says, hey, I want you to come with me. We're going to get away from the daily we're going to get away from the practical. We're going to get away from the ins and outs of what you're deciding to eat today. And we're going to go to the top of the mountain. And what's the top of the mountain? The top of the mountain is the stratosphere of the cosmic view of who God is, who you are now, what that means for you. You're going to see from the satellite view the valley of the daily stuff. He's going to first say, let's get out of the valley, let's go up to the top of the mountain, let's see who God is, and therefore what God has done for you, and therefore who you are, and you need to drink from the top 
Feel the cosmic things that are happening there. Let them form you. You need to experience those. You need to be absorbed. You just need to be immersed in that and let that form you. And then what we're going to do is at the end of this letter, so for the first two chapters, Paul takes us to the top of the mountain for us to have a Moses-like experience with the Lord, like to see him, to, to bask in him, to know him, to see yourself in light of him, and then to come down the mountain in the last two chapters and talk about how to treat your wife. How to go to work. We're going to talk about all those things. But you know what? Paul's not writing a letter telling them how to go to work. Paul wants them to know who they are deeply in the Lord, in the gospel, and then let that shape their daily lives and the ins and outs. In fact, if you get the top of the mountain right and strong, there's a lot of things that can flow out of your life and you don't have to be told exactly how to respond to people. You can operate in wisdom and guidance of the Spirit and let that flow out of your life in the daily grindings and the daily things of life. And so this is the structure of Colossians. He takes us to the mountain and then work our way back to the daily valley, okay? Thir verse 13, let's look at what he says here. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, and I want to focus on this word, say it with me, transferred. Did y'all say it? I'm sorry, I heard myself say it. Transferred. I don't do that to y'all a lot, all right? I never tell you to turn to your neighbor and say something. I know how awkward that feels, right? Can y'all just acknowledge and be thankful for that? <laughs> but I ask you to do this one word, okay? Transferred. He has transferred. I just want to sit in that transferred word for just a little bit. Now, here's the thing. Let me show you the next slide for that mountain. What Paul does is he takes you to the top. And today, what he's basically saying to us from the top is that I have been transferred by the king the king of glory, I have been transferred. And then what he's going to do in Colossians is say, now here's how you should live in accordance with that. That's the pattern of the writing itself. So let's take a look at that word transferred. I want to look at a few things from the text this morning as we just introduce this, this text. The first thing is, is we have been transferred by the gospel. And look at that term, you have been transferred it is a thing done for you it is a thung thing already done in the text been transferred by the gospel why would paul say here's what i know of you because here's what i've heard that you have been transferred transferred by the lord you have been transferred by the lord by the gospel why does Paul say that? How does he know that? And he mentions a couple of things. Verse 3 to verse 8. Look at this with me. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you since we what? We have heard some things about you. And these things that we have heard make us know you've been transferred. How does Paul know they've been transferred? What did he hear about them and would he hear that about us? That's a good question, isn't it? He says this, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. And then he says, of this you have heard before in the word of truth. What? The gospel. 
You have been transferred by the gospel. And the reason I know you've been transferred by the gospel is these three words that I mentioned. Faith, love, hope. Y'all see that? Paul says, I have heard of your faith. I have heard of your love. I have heard of the hope that you have. And hearing that, what that tells me is you've been transferred. So the good thing is this. What does he mean by faith, hope, and love? Is that the first time you've ever heard those three words used? No, of course not. There's a first Corinthians passage or a Corinthians passage that says faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Yeah. What cardinal virtues of Christianity? The cardinal virtues. Faith, hope, and love. But have you ever asked with a faith, hope, and love talk? What does he mean by those words, right? Now, you might not appreciate this. It's a level of myself and scholarship might. But thank you, Paul, that in this text, you are telling us what you mean when you say faith, hope, and love in these cardinal virtues. And these are characteristics and qualities that you have heard of a church by saying they are actually a church. What are they? Well, faith. What does he mean by faith? It means a tr unwavering trust in to Jesus Christ, an unwavering trusting of Jesus Christ in everything for my salvation, for how to live my life. I trust him to give me everything I need. I trust him to save me. I trust him to guide me. I trust him to give me everything I need to live for him. That is faith. It's according to Paul, because he says, I have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. And then he says, the love. What love is he talking about there? The love for the church. Love for the saints. That I have an internal, divine, something that I didn't have before, an internal, divine love for God's people. The church. That I have that for Bannockburn, yes, but not just Bannockburn, but all of the church. All of the big C church around the world. That I have a love for God's people that can't be explained by just me developing it over time. It's something that flows in me from trusting Christ. I have His love in my heart that overflows with love that I feel. What Jesus feels for his church. I participate in that. And, and that's what he means by love. And, and, and that love causes us to do things like what Jesus did for the church. And that is he gave himself up for her. He went to a cross for her. He, you're willing to sacrifice. You're willing to, to put down your conveniences for the welfare of the body of Christ, for people in the body of Christ, that you rejoice with those who rejoice, you grieve with those who grieve, you, 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 you're willing to make sacrifices for people around you, and it, you know that doesn't come from you. It comes because you've been transferred. And then lastly, hope. Hope laid up for you in heaven. Um, it's your secure future that God has in his hands that no one can change, that no one can take away, and that is his inheritance that is awaiting for you that you have already. You just don't 
fully have it yet. It's there for you. The hope laid up in heaven for you. And you know what you need more than anything in this life is you need that. And you don't just need to know about it. You need to believe it all the way through in your whole soul. That hope that is laid up for you. You know why? Let me tell you why. Um, I was on the treadmill last week. I do treadmill quite a bit, but I was on a new treadmill, and they uh, the, the treadmill had a custom customize your work your workout right on the treadmill, and it's a screen. And so I go to customize my workout, and I was thinking about this, and I thought this is kind of funny actually. Uh, and it, to customize it, it needs to know some things about me. And you know what it asks about me? Two things: age, weight. So I was like, what? So I kind of like want to do this, look around, you know, all right, here we go. So I hit hit the age, and the scrolly dilly dally comes up. And it's a sliding bar that goes like this. And it starts at like 22. And you got to like hold your hand, finger down on it, and slide it to the right to how old you are. And I kept sliding and kept sliding. I was like, I'm going to go off the screen. This thing, and I was like looking around, everybody else sees me scrolling so far, like how old are you, you know? And I'm not even that old, and I feel like, oh my goodness, i got to go all the way to the screen. I almost didn't make it. I had to start over and slide down. Uh, And then I did the exact same thing for weight, but we're not going to talk about that one. You ever been on a website, and it asks you to list the, the, the year you were born? And it brings up the digital prices, right? Scroll button thing, and you give that thing a zing, and it slows down, and it's only in the 90s. And then you're like, man, I am old. And you got to give it another zing, you know, and you got to get there. Um, You ever look in the mirror? These are some things I'm experiencing, God. Y'all can help me out. And uh, somebody and I were talking earlier, like, your eyebrows are more like wire than they are hair. Like bring me the wire cutters. I'm noticing that, right? And the hair in your ears and your nose is growing faster than your head. Turning into a hobbit. Slowly but surely. It's in those moments where you might feel sad. And you know why? It's, it's probably appropriate. Because you're losing something. Because you might be losing something, right? It's in those moments that you need hope. Hope. Right then is when you need to know you ain't going to lose nothing. Everything. Everything is in God's hands. Everything comes back. You are raised. You are new. You will be forever. You will be in the presence of God. You will be perfectly happy. You will be whole. Everything comes back. You lose nothing. And you know what? That's already stored away for you. It already is there. It's already real. You haven't come into it yet, but it's coming. Like this Deion Sanders. Y'all watch Colorado? He told that reporter lady, we're coming, right? Well, the truth is, he may or may not, right? He may or may not. God says, it's coming. It's coming. It is there for you. Firm and fixed. 
What is that hope? That hope that is in heaven laid up for you that everything, everything, everything for you in the end is going to be okay. Not only okay, but amazing. So yeah, grieve because life hits you a little bit, doesn't it? And it hurts and it's painful. Yeah, life has some, some left hooks. Life has some bloody noses. Yeah, life has some really hard things. But you can consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials and hardships of various kinds. Why? Because you have hope. A hope that is strong and there forever. And it can't be taken from you. Neither height nor debt nor angels or demons or nobody. Nobody can take that away from you. Feel that hope. Live in that hope. Take that hope deep into your soul and let it be strong for you. Because you know what? Because you need that. And you don't have to grieve like those who have no hope. You can, you can grieve and be sad, yes, but you can pick up the pieces. You can move forward. Why? Because everything comes back to me. And I don't have to grieve like that. And yeah, I need wire cutters for my eyebrows, but you know what? I will live again. I will live again. See, so, so if you want to know the hope that we got to live in, it's that. It's that. That is bedrock for us. And it secures us through a whole lot of things in this life. That hope is you. It's included for you. It's personal to you. Faith hope and love we've been transferred by the gospel and that is a result we have faith hope and love that is attributes of the people of God who have been transferred by a message that doesn't just inspire us or instruct us it transferred us transferred us when we trusted Jesus and secondly, we've been transferred to walk worthy. Look at what he says in verse 10. So as, you've been transferred to do what? So as to, so the ultimate goal is that we would live lives where we would walk worthy of the Lord. That we would walk in a manner in our lives that would be worthy of what has been given to us. It doesn't mean live worthy in a, in a sense, live worthy to earn it like a paycheck. We're not, that's the antithesis of the gospel. It is to live worthy in light of the fact that it's been done for you and all of this is given to you as a gift. Now, in light of all of this that God has done for you freely, walk in a manner that's worthy of that gift. Live your life in light of the incredible grace that Jesus has given to us. This hit me and started flowing out of me. And it was a little bit different. But I said, you know what, Lord, I'll keep it in here. And I'll let it be for whoever this is for. So maybe it's for someone in here. But I'm going to just read this out. There's a little bit of a, a, little bit of a um, sidebar thing. But I'm going to just read it, okay? Sometimes walking worthy is hard. It's hard. It's tough. There are times when you may feel to walk it all feels overwhelming. It's part of the walk. Wounded Christian, grieving Christian, struggling Christian, we aren't there yet. You still have a life to live. We still have a journey to live. You still have a family that needs you. 
You still have friends who need you. You still have work to do in this world. You still have some growing to do in your own soul. You have life to live. And you need to hear today, it's time for you to remember who you are, whose you are, and what you have. And don't let anything defeat you or keep you down or keep you away from living fully the life you have to live and live it worthy. Walk worthy. If you're in an excuse-making season or you're feeling like you're in the dungeon of despair, yes, it's possible to get there as a Christian, but we do not have to stay there. Take up the keys of faith and, ha- and start claiming your inheritance and start operating accordingly. Don't settle for that condition permanently in your life. You need to remember who you are, whose you are, what you have, Believe it and walk accordingly. Amen? All right, tirade over. All right? But that's the thing. If that's for you, uh, bless the Lord with it. And this in verse 10, it says this. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And he says, bearing fruit in every good work. Bearing fruit. Think about how does fruit produced. You know, I know we think that fruit is produced by going to the grocery store because it's sitting right there on the counter, right? And we should just be able to go grab it, right? Fruit is not produced like that. Fruit is seed, water, time, growth. Months and months and months later, maybe, right? Uh, This is the idea. It's spiritual fruit. And then he says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all. And then he uses these two words, endurance and patience, Endurance and patience takes muscle. Muscle. You have to master your own will in the walking manner, in a manner that's worthy type pursuit in life sometimes. You have to say in my will, I am taking charge and obeying Christ no matter how I feel right now. I am going to stay the course with Christ and obey him. I know I want to have a pity party. I know I want to sulk. I know I want to be in despair. I know I don't feel the things I think my soul should feel, but I am going to walk with him, and I'm going to stay true to him. And in that process, there's a process that's happening in us. Endurance, patience. Patience is not just like waiting in Walmart. Like, come on, people, you know. Patience is like holding weights and holding it and not letting it go because you know you need to and it's right and I'm not going to let it go. I'm going to be patient. This thing is burdening me. It's hard and it's difficult, but I'm staying the course in it in spite of how I feel. I'm not throwing it off and taking the easy way. I'm taking the Christ way and I'm going to stay under it and I'm going to persevere. That's endurance. That's patience. This is what the term that Paul is using there. How do we walk worthy? Well, you stay in his word. You stay in his, in, his, in his fellowship. You pray. And then you bear fruit over time. Over time. This is what we're talking about when we're talking about soul transformation. This is the process. And so when the Lord speaks to us in this time, we need to do what like Peter did. And that's leave our nets and follow him immediately. So when the Lord is speaking, he's not... He's not in, we're not in discipleship and following the Lord Jesus as if he's giving us suggestions to consider. That when he gives us commands, he means you to obey them. 
And we need to, we've got to have that resurge and fill us again. Amen? That Christ is saying we should obey him when we get to those moments. And there's not a suggestive like, okay, well, I'll, I'll obey with that, but maybe not this, this time. And it's okay if I don't right now. And let's not get into that justification of our selective obedience. Let's obey the Lord Jesus. John 14, 23, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Obedience is expected when we're following Christ and we're walking with him with endurance and patience. We obey Christ. Paul is saying that when we follow Christ, we learn his ways and we walk worthy of our transferred nature with the gospel. Are you always going to be perfectly obedient? Of course not. Are you going to make mistakes? Absolutely. But inside your soul, have a dedication and a commitment that immediately, immediately, I'm going to get back with the Lord. I'm going to make things right. I'm going to confess what needs to be confessed. I'm going to ask for cleansing, whatever I need to cleanse. And I'm getting back on that path. And I'm going to be steadfast in the Lord. Amen? Amen? I think that's just a fresh word for us today. Lastly, we've been transferred into another kingdom. Into another kingdom. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Do you remember that domain? Do you remember how horrible it was? Do you remember how lost you were? Maybe sometimes we need to be remembered, reminded of what it was to not have Christ, to be without hope, to be trapped in our sins, the destructive nature of it on the path we were on, and yet to be transferred by the gospel into the kingdom of his beloved son. I have been transferred. You once belonged to that domain, says Paul. You are not in that domain no, any longer. Any longer. You are in a different kingdom. Y'all know I love college football. Congratulations. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, just, you played, played well. All right. Played, I watched all the games yesterday. If you don't ask. Did you watch the game? I watched them all. I just want you to know. Yeah. The one theme this year is the transfer portal. Y'all know what the transfer portal is? For those of you who are like, no, I like soccer. Let me, let me explain. The transfer portal is players now can legally go into the transfer portal from a team where they were third string and a really good team, like third string at Alabama. And you can go to like Florida who really needs a quarterback and they'll take third string at Alabama right now. Well, the portal has created this portal where players can go in and get picked up by other teams. And so... Players have been transferred all over uh, the country this one year. The, the, the portal, the transfer portal for college football is powerful. And, you know, uh, it transfers you from one college to another. It transfers you from one contract to another. From one coach to another coach. From one uniform to another uniform. From one playbook to another playbook. From one system to a whole other system. The transfer portal has power, and it does that overnight. You go from one to the other. Everything about everything in that athlete's life has changed completely. Can you imagine an athlete 
transferred to Florida, still wearing his Alabama uniform, still listening to Coach Saban. Saban's the Alabama coach. Sorry, I know some of you are. Still trying to live in that other school and also play in the new school. That doesn't work. Nobody does that. The God of heaven has transferred us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption. Christian, you have been transferred by the portal of the gospel. You have been transferred to walk worthy of the one who created the portal and brought you life. You've been transferred into a whole different kingdom. You belong to the domain of darkness at one time, but now you belong to the kingdom of light. You have a new master. You have a new playbook. You have a new family. You have a new uniform. You have a new way of life. And we have it as our way of life. And that way is the Lord Jesus himself. Let's be reminded of who we are this morning. Whose we are. And let us renew our resolve to walk worthy of him and what he has done for us. Amen? Let's pray. I want to ask three questions before we sing. I want you to just ask, I'm going to ask you, have you been transferred? You've seen a like visible expression of that in baptism this morning. And I want to ask, have you been transferred? It's free for you, but it wasn't free or cheap. The very Son of God came and paid the price so that you could enter the transfer portal of the gospel and be changed. And he makes it free to you. Trust him. Repent of your sins. Turn to Christ today. Enter into that transfer portal. Come into the kingdom of light. Receive a new master, a new playbook, a new family, a new uniform, forgiveness of sins. And then live in light of that. Second question, are you walking worthy? Are you walking worthy of what's been done for you? Is there something you need, you know that you need to do or something that you need to stop doing today and walk worthy? Let's just give that to the Lord. Are you trying to live in both kingdoms? A little bit of that one and a little bit of this one. In your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. If Baal is God, then serve him. But if God is the Lord, then serve him. You cannot serve two masters. Father, let us in this moment be refreshed in the gospel promises. Let our souls drink deep. Get that joy, that peace, that hope, that love to fill our hearts full. Let us drink there and be happy and live fully. You came to give us life. Let us be full of your life this morning. And in the name of Jesus, we ask for it. Will you stand with me all across the room? Let's sing to the Lord. Let's do business with the Lord before we go.